I hope everybody's doing well. Man, I was going to say thank you for letting me go last week. Um, I'll still say it. But we had a, a wonderful time up uh, visiting my daughter in Seattle, Washington, and um, it, was, it was great to get her married off, see her married off and to a very nice young man. Um, and the great thing is he's a doctor. And uh, she's a nurse practitioner, so healthcare baby, covered. <laughs> Had to go to Seattle, but that's just a little commute. Um, but anyway, as I got home uh, late Monday night from planes, trains, and automobiles, uh, I was told early Tuesday, you got to hurry up and give me your sermon title because I got to get this to the bulletin. We're backing up the, the schedule a couple of days earlier. You got to get it in, got to get it in, got to get it in. And I didn't have a sermon title to save my life. And so finally, after a few hours of looking at the text, I said, fine, okay, the sermon title is this, churches in America are operating under a new set of blue laws, and shot it off. And I woke up the next day and I said, I hate that title. I hate that title. I just don't like that title. Um, It just didn't fit. So away with the title that's in the bulletin, just get rid of it, dash it, it's gone. Uh, Today's title is only three words. I'm going to build my thought around these three words, and it's simply this, reclaiming the Sabbath. Reclaiming the Sabbath. Um, Turn in your Bible to Luke chapter 13. Luke chapter 13, and I'm going to be reading verses 10 through 17 in our text this morning. Um, Our story in Luke is placed uh, in a Jewish synagogue. The gathering place on Saturdays where the Jews would come together, worship, hear preaching and teaching. Um, in Jesus' day, back in the first century, the, the, the preachers or teachers sat down in front of the people and would sit. Jesus would stand up, the leader would stand up to read the text and then sit down as the master, as the teacher, to explain everything. Um, so that's what's going on this morning. Jesus has sat down. He is beginning his lesson on one of the scripture readings from the Torah, the law. Um, And as you hear our text this morning, I want to invite you uh, to join Jesus and those in that first century synagogue. I want you to place yourselves within that context. I want you to step into it. And I want you to kind of place yourself in the mist, on the wall, looking around. Uh, There's Jesus sitting up there, and you're looking around, and you're seeing all the different people. You're taking in all the different sights, all the different sounds and smells of the first century, uh, and everything that's going around you. And in particular, I want you to pay attention and listen out for the characters in our story this morning. Listen out for who the characters are in the story this morning. What might have they looked like? What might have they said or done? Uh, What might they have seen, experienced, felt in the midst of that service? Um, I want you to put on a pair of Jewish ears and see if you can pick up on words in our text this morning um, that for a Jewish person are a part of their cultural warp and weft to their cultural and religious life. Listen, my friends, to the Word of God, Luke chapter 13, verses 10 to 17. 
Now Jesus was teaching in one of the synagogues on the Sabbath. And just then, there appeared a woman with a spirit that had crippled her for 18 years. She was bent over, was quite unable to stand up straight. When Jesus saw her, he called, over her, he called her over and he said, Woman, you are set free from your ailment. And when he laid his hands on her, immediately she stood up straight and began praising God. But the leader of the synagogue, indignant, because Jesus had cured on the Sabbath, kept saying to the crowd, there are six days on which, to, which work ought to be done. Come on those days and be cured, not on the Sabbath day. But the Lord answered him. He said, you hypocrites. Does not each of you on the Sabbath untie his or her ox or donkey from the manger and lead it to give it water? And ought not this woman, a daughter of Abraham, whom Satan bound for 18 long years, shouldn't she be set free from this bondage on the Sabbath day? And when Jesus had said this, all his opponents were put to shame. And the entire crowd was rejoicing at all the wonderful things that he was doing. My friends, this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God indeed. So who's in the story? Who's in the story? There's obviously Jesus. There is a synagogue ruler who is charged with making sure that everything is decently done and in order. Good Presbyterian style. There is a sick woman. And then there is this crowd of, of Jewish worshipers. This crowd of Jewish worshipers who had gathered on that Saturday in the synagogue. Um, and so I want us to begin our musings this morning by asking ourselves, ask yourself, which character in this particular story, as I sat in that synagogue, do I relate most with? Which character do I most relate with in this story? Now let's assume uh, none of us sees him or herself as Jesus in our text. Now that would be a bit presumptuous on our parts. Uh, so none of us are going to be Jesus. So I'll just let that let you off the hook there. So aside from Jesus, who are you in this text? Who are you in this text? Are you the sick woman who is literally bent over in pain for almost 20 years? A woman who has been silently stereotyped by her community as a, quote, sinner because of her ailment. She's unclean. She's a virtual nobody in the village. Do you see yourself as the woman where your body does not allow you to even look up into the sky? 
or permit you to look into someone else's face to see who's speaking with you. Your world, as I mentioned to the children, is focused upon people's feet. You have to turn your body side to side in order to take in your surroundings. You move slowly. You shuffle your feet quietly and purposefully to get anywhere because you're easily jostled by the crowds pushing in and around you to get hurry up and get around you, to get to where they want to go. Are you this woman where you feel alone and isolated? I mean, as who wants to be around a broken woman with a deformity who doesn't fit in her community in the way the community expects her to fit? Perhaps you relate with the synagogue ruler whose main concern is to keep up with the correct protocol in doing the things the right way. You subscribe to the notion that, you know, it's worked this way for my grandparents, my parents, it's worked good for me and my family, so it's going to be good for you too. It's good for people today. Don't rock the boat. Don't deviate and cause change from what we're already doing. You see, the synagogue ruler, beloved, enjoys a predictable status quo and the easy power that flows from a status quo. He thinks, I know the rules. I follow the rules. I even add to the rules. You will follow those rules too. Then again, maybe you're one of the masses. You're one of the crowd who just happened to be there that day. You too go to church expecting the same old, same old uh, at the synagogue, but today this new preacher, this Jesus, is stirring the pudding. He is agitating the religious leaders. On one hand, you're tempted to revert to, well, wait a minute, Jesus, we've never done it that way before, but there's something kind of refreshing about this way Jesus is, is talking about the Torah, the law, and God, and how we're supposed to relate with each other in community. It's refreshingly different. You kind of like seeing the stuffy old guard of leadership stirred up a little bit moved out of their comfort zone and having their myopic points of view challenged and enlarged. So, beloved, which one are you in the story? The woman? The synagogue leader? Or the crowd? You see, it's not just who you are in the story. It's also about who you are in the story and discerning what the major point of our story is. From your point of view. What's the major point of the story? What are the foils that are pointing to the major point in the story? Is the story about a miraculous healed woman? 
Is the story about Jesus being a rabble rouser? Is the story about following religious rules and expectations? Or perhaps is our story about something else entirely different? Although our text talks about a crippled woman who is healed, although our text feels like her healing is the light that is what we're to focus on, um, it really is just the foil. The healing in our story is just the foil that shines light on the major point of the story. You see, the key part of our teaching this morning is, is it's forcing us to be aware of how we approach our understanding of Sabbath day. Sabbath day, Sunday, the Lord's day. That's what this teaching is about. For the crippled woman, Sabbath was the day to come and truly be in community as an equal worshiper like everybody else in the presence of God. Even though she was considered unclean, she could at least get into the crowd, maybe even in the back of the crowd, and at least be with other Jews, other members of her village, coming together, hearing about the Torah, talking about the Torah, listening to what people are saying and worshiping. For the synagogue ruler, it was a time that he was ensuring proper decorum, that it was adhered to while the community gathered to learn about God and to worship God. For the crowds, it was a day to fulfill all righteousness in being a good law-abiding Jew and meet at that synagogue on Saturday for learning and praying and teaching. It was what good God-fearing Jews did. You go to synagogue. It's what you were expected to do. For Jesus, however, the Sabbath had grown dank and stale. For Jesus, the Sabbath was beginning to major in the minors of life and neglect the weightier, more, more profound issues of life. For Jesus, the Sabbath was about learning and prayer, for sure, absolutely. But the Sabbath for Jesus was primarily a day when the chosen people of God gathered and were reminded and learned and, most importantly, experienced... God's gracious, graceful provision and liberation from a hamster wheel type of life. Somehow, that very important reality was lost somewhere. And the Sabbath became more about the rules, about the obligations of what you should eat, what you shouldn't eat, what you're to do and what you're not to do, about leading a, a goat or an ox to water or not. You were to fulfill what a good Jew was supposed to do. It was more of punching the ticket than it was coming to a community of people and really expecting God to show up and do something miraculous in order that the community 
in order that people like this crippled woman might be changed, transformed from the inside out, from the wells of grace that are deeper than any of us could plumb. We see this in today's churches across this country as well, don't we? For some, coming to worship on Sunday is a time where those who, like the woman, are feeling isolated. They can come and sit in the back and be with other bodies who believe in the same beliefs and believe in the same person, that is, of Jesus. And they may be noticed or not. They may not even want to be noticed. Like, by God, I'm not going to fill out my Connect card. No one's going to know my name. They want to be obscure. For some, church services in the Sabbath day are routines that we are expected to follow, protocols that are required to be done. We're supposed to worship in a certain way because, quite frankly, that's the way it's always been done. If it was good enough for the last 200 years, it's good enough for us, right? I have a style preference. I like my old style better. For some, church attendance is something that you're supposed to do as Christians because that's what you're expected to do as a least common denominator of faith. I hear it all the time, Nick and Pam too. People say, oh, preacher, I'm sorry. I, I need to come to church some more. Like, that's the point? It's not about coming to church. It's about developing a faith in Christ in community. For some, my beloved... It is a time in our culture where we feel we don't need church anymore. I don't need you. You don't need me. See, we've bitten off the lie of our culture that we don't need community in order to experience God and to learn about God. I can do it on my own. I can park my fanny down at the beach, watch the sunrise every Sunday morning, and all is right as rain. See, that's a lie. We need each other. We need to hear ideas. We need to share ideas. We need each other's interpretation of the Scripture itself. We are community. And then, for some, fewer and fewer these days, I will add, some people come really expecting. Some people really do come to church, very few, expecting that God will show up. Very few people do. They expect worship to be stale. They expect... Uh, worship to be just the same old, same old. Friends, more and more people come to worship today across our country and they do not expect to encounter the bottomless gracefulness of God's miraculous love and power. What a shame. We come to church and we don't expect miracles to happen like the crippling spirit holding captive a woman for some 18 years being set free from spiritual and physical bondage. We've lost that. But that's what happens at Sabbath. 
The power of our story this morning, my friends, is that Jesus declares, Jesus shows, Jesus wants us to experience what worship is all about. Sabbath and worship are to focus on God's purposefully searching out for you and for me, lifting this church as a community, and showering us with liberating and extravagant grace that transcends politics, boundaries, culture, you name it. Friends, it's about our physically coming together as community, showing each other, I need you. I am less of a man of God because you're not in my life. No, I need you. You help me to be me. I help you to be you. You help her to be who she is supposed to be. She helps you to be the person you're supposed to be. We need each other. Worship and Sabbath is all about coming spiritually crippled as we are, wholeheartedly expecting God is going to show up. It means we walk in those doors We place our our seats on the seats and we expect God's going to show up today and we're looking for it. We're looking for it the best we can. For the crippled woman, it was only looking at people's feet. What is it for you? Are you coming to worship? Are you coming and looking and experiencing Sabbath that God is going to show up on this day and shake you and me out of our complacency? That's what Sabbath is about. It's not a day off. It's a day of rest in order to praise God, plumb the depths of grace, and to see what God's about to do next. Friends, that's what it means to reclaim the Sabbath. Pray with me. Holy Spirit of God, as we come and continue this day in worship, we just thank you for this time. We can come and celebrate life and your love and gracefulness and gratefulness. We pray, O God, that as we worship this day, as we experience the Sabbath, we will be aware and attuned to your moving in our life within this community, in our lives out in the community. That, Lord, that you will remind us that today is more than just another day. This is just another service. But that, Lord, you are coming to wake us up and to surprise us with grace and joy so that we may rise up with the woman and say, praise God. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.